Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly biography show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. After four decades of running a small business called Arkansas Flag and Banner, now simply flagandbanner.com, my team and I decided to create a platform for not just me, but other successful people to pay forward our experiential knowledge in a conversational way. Originally, my team and I thought it would be this easy, this informative, one-hour-a-week interview, and boy, were we wrong. As with every new endeavor, it's harder than you first think. I've noticed some reoccurring traits among many of my guests. Belief in a higher power, the heart of a teacher, and creativity because business is creative. If you are a Roman Catholic living well just about anywhere in the world, you may have met my guest today, Sister Deborah Trollette. Sister Deborah, well known for her 22-year career of excellence as the teacher, principal, and president of Mount St. Mary's Academy, an all-girls high school in Little Rock, Arkansas, has been busy. After retirement, Sister Deborah took a leap of faith and moved to the state of Maryland, For six years, she served as counselor with the Sisters of Mercy of the Americas, an international community of women serving in North, South, and Central America, the Caribbean, Guam, and the Philippines. I told you, you could have met her anywhere in the world. (laughs) Today's sister has moved back to Little Rock and is using her connections and experienced communication and administrative skills to further the interfaith haven known as the Arkansas House of Prayer on the campus of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church. The Arkansas House of Prayer is set in nature and dedicated to contemplative prayer, meditation, and quiet for all peoples of all faith and of no faith at all. As Sister Deborah says, it's the space that doesn't have an agenda. It is with awe and admiration that I welcome to the table a woman with a glow, a presence, a peace that passes all understanding, and a knowing faith that many of us wish we could achieve. Sister Deborah Trollette. How's that for an introduction? <laughs> That's quite a gift, but I've, I appreciate it very much, and um, I'm really happy to be here. I know we tried to do this once before, and yeah, it didn't did. work out. That's so right. uh, thanks for persevering to invite me again. And again, I just am so really impressed by all the work you do and how Really, what you do just builds a community. It just well, builds builds a community in a way that we so need these days. And thank I you. also love what you said about listening, because that's really what the House of Prayer is all about. It's about silence listening. and listening. It's about getting into a space where you can actually hear mm, that's something hard to different. Do. It is, especially now. Well, you know, I have to ask you the first and most obvious question. Have you always known you wanted to be a nun? No. really i didn't know that ever happened okay tell us your story i grew up in hillcrest i went to school at our lady of holy souls and then went to mount and of course my dad had his business in hillcrest so hillcrest was like the world for me and uh you'd think as uh you know going to catholic schools all my life you you would think that yes at some point that little thought doesn't does cross your mind 
And uh, in, in grade school, certainly it was at a time when there were still a lot more sisters in the classrooms. So um, we were confirmed in like the third grade, and the bishop would uh, come and give us his little talk and then confirm us in the faith. But he said something that, for whatever reason, stayed with me. He just said, you know, let your prayer every day be, God help me know what you want me to be. Just God help me know what you want me to be. So somehow that stayed with me. And I guess part of my deal was I had pretty strong stereotypes of sisters and nuns, which weren't always real positive. So I don't know that I saw myself as one. Well, they were all your teachers and things at that point, right? Well, they were, uh, but they were wonderful teachers. I will say that. And it wasn't so much the stereotypes about them. It was more how the world stereotyped nuns. Mm. You know, that, that was, that was like not appealing to me. I mean, that was the time of the flying nun and the singing nun. And the, I thought you were going to say mean nuns. When I think of stereotype, I think of not flying nuns, oh, well, the, mean nuns. Well, the mean nuns and the ruler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and the ruler yeah. and yeah, all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I've I heard that most of my life. I got to Mount St. Mary, and the sisters there were, they just seemed different to me. They were very young, vibrant. They were strong. They were leaders. And, again, it wasn't like immediately I started saying, hmm, I think I want to be a sister. But it was just, uh, I think it was, there was definite impact there. There was no aha moment? There was an aha moment, but it came from outside of me. It came, I was listening, you might say, well, it came from inside and outside. I was a student body president, and I had just been elected. And I had a, 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 a theology teacher that junior year. And, and she just came into our first class one day, and she just said something like, well, okay, do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to know Jesus? And, of course, it hit something in me funny. It was almost like there was this resistance that went up, and I was like, what? I've been in Catholic schools all my life. Of course I know Jesus. What is, what is she talking What is it? But I think it was defensive because she was getting at something that perhaps in my faith journey I had not really, you know, grappled with, a personal relationship. And uh, so that day that question just didn't leave me. So the first question, I guess, wasn't, do you want to be a sister, or do you think you're going to be a sister, or are you called to be a sister? It was, do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? So, you know, that that stayed with me that day, and I can't deny it. So you might say that was one of the aha moments. So the first question really wasn't about being a sister. It was about this relationship. So then, uh, fast forward, I was student body president, and guess what? The sister that had that class became the sponsor. What's that mean? The sponsor of the student council. Oh, I got So, you know, it's like I had to work with her. She mm-hmm. had to always go through her for everything. And um, so it was uh, January of my senior year. Of course, everybody was making their college plans, and... And I had some plans. I wanted to go to the University of Dallas, and uh, that was my dream school. And uh, and I go to her classroom after school on a Friday. We were painting the faculty room for Christmas. <laughs> that, it was a big old building. It needed painting. That was a student council project. And so I go in. I have the paint chips, and I say, okay, which color do you think, blah, blah, blah. So she picks one, and then she just looks at me, and she says, have you ever thought about being a sister of mercy? 
And it was like, oh, no. <laughs> because I had. They're trying to recruit me. Yeah, well, because, <laughs> because you had. Because I had. Oh. And she could say that? But I didn't tell a soul. I wouldn't <gasps> tell anybody. I wouldn't tell my best friend. I wouldn't tell. Because I was, I mean, I was a typical senior. I mean, I was, you know, I was dating and dancing and partying. and I mean, I was doing the senior stuff and always had been. And it was just like, oh, my God. So it's not just something that I'm making up. She saw it. And because it was almost like I went home, and it was a strange mix of fear and excitement. It yeah, was, you look like you're going to cry right now yeah, talking there about was, it. Yeah, there was fear about it, but there was joy also. So it was kind of a, a, a bit of a confirmation uh, to at least take the next step. And then, you know, that was January and kind of went back and forth, got back into senior stuff, made the plans. The cost to go to the University of Dallas at that time was beyond what my family could do. So I was really disappointed because they were saying to me, we know that's where you really want to go, but we better have a backup school. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I had my backup school, got accepted. And then lo and behold, April, I got a letter from the University of Dallas, and I had everything. I had everything I needed to go. Part of why I wanted to go to the University of Dallas was because they had this amazing program that your sophomore year, you spent a, a semester in Rome. Oh. And, and, and I had I knew people who had gone there. So I, that was all part of why I wanted to go. I wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world. And so I guess the way I interpreted it was I didn't, because there was moments I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to go now, you mm-hmm. know, because my school's not opening up. and oh, I really you, thought, went, I, you thought maybe I was supposed to go be a nun now. Right now, yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah. what did you study in Dallas? I studied the regular freshman curriculum. Oh, you did? But but I got down there. And, of course, this is, I guess, this is how God works. It was just like kind of a song in my head. I couldn't get it out. It just kept coming. It kept coming back to me. So finally I decided it wasn't, you know, you might say, oh, my gosh, I wasn't like this wholehearted, yes, I'm, I'm going. It was more like I've got to go find out. Mm-hmm. I've got to go test this out. But then I remember right before... I was supposed to go to St. Louis, going to the Sisters of Mercy. It was, you enter as a, just as a, what they call a candidate. So you're not really committed. Uh-huh. You get to go and see. Uh-huh. And so it's a, wise, it's a wise process. Right. I mean, and actually it takes a number of years. It takes a lot longer for that life commitment than most people spend preparing for marriage. I mean, I can tell you that. I mean, this is years and years. <laughs> well, I so, hope so because uh, you're married to... Well, you you got a lot to sort out for. You got a lot to grow into and, and figure out, but uh, and say yes to. I guess that's that's the bottom line. What you say yes to. How long did you go to? Uh, well, I was there two years as a candidate, and then uh, if you progress and it's a mutual decision, the community has to say yes, we see this, and you have to say yes, I I want to take another step. Then you go to what is required by the church called a canonical year, novice year. Uh, novitiate it's really kind of the engagement period I mean it's really a more intense study of theology and the vows and of course the Sisters of Mercy are very much a active order you know there are different kinds of religious orders of women Mm -hmm. and ours is very active called apostolic so we do a lot of works what kind of works oh Teaching, education, health care, social oh. work, you name oh, everything. it, just okay. about anything. Of course, other religious orders are contemplative, 
Ah, right. Monastic. They mm-hmm. uh, like the Benedictines are a monastic order. They live uh, on a monastery. Live in a monastery. Like a Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. And then in Little Rock, of course, we have uh, the Carmelite Sisters. Their whole life is dedicated to contemplative prayer. Is that uh, at Mount St. Mary's? No, they're over on West 32nd Street is uh, where their monastery is. So Sisters of Mercy are, real, are, are, are of another form of religious life that started probably 17th, 18th century. Oh. Are and still- it was much more um, hands-on, mm-hmm. you know. So you picked that order? Or it picked me. Uh, there we go. I picked it. Uh, so is, was, this, was the Sisters of Mercy in Oklahoma? Because you were there nine years. Is that what your there. nine years was about? It was at a high school that the sisters uh, sponsored there. Is it a co-ed? Co-ed. But in 1989, you moved back to Mount St. Mary's. It's all girls. Yeah. Is, there, is it just because you graduated, or was there an incident that precipitated that move, or...? Did you think I was going to stay in Oklahoma? Um, the opportunity came to come back to Little Rock, come back to Mount St. Mary, be an administrative intern. And then the invitation came, well, you can come and be a part-time teacher and really just have an internship here mm-hmm. in administration. And uh, that was appealing, and it was appealing to, to be closer to my family again and, you know, be back. So, so I did that for two years, and then it was, you know, who knows? It, it certainly wasn't in the plan when I first said I was coming back. <clears throat> but then the current principal decided uh, to leave her position. And so the position opened up. So I was right principal. there. For I how many right. years? Actually, only six. And then you became president. And then became president. What's the hardest thing about being principal? The, the, the parents? <laughs> parents obviously, don't take this wrong but obviously there, we have one sister who always said you know my goal in my life is to be principal of an orphanage <laughs> <laughs> but you know oh, it's because you're funny they are funny <laughs> We're, we try to be very real you talk about in er, a minute ago about the personal relationship with jesus yeah mm-hmm. what does that mean well of course for me the prayer part is a big part of that and it's the gospel and what the, what the teaching of the gospel is. And it's trying to live the gospel. And it's because I believe what Jesus came to bring this world and why we need it so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, my goodness, it's, it's the relationship of trying to really follow his path and follow his way. And, of course, uh, believing he's the son of God, believing he's a savior. It's kind of like, of course, I have the... The necessary humility to know God's God and I'm not, but the the personal part brings me into a kind of relationship that just makes it easy to talk to God, easy to talk to Jesus, easy to relate, uh, easy to feel forgiven, easier to feel encouraged, easier to be challenged by what he said and did, and then to know that's the call. I mean, it just it just makes it not just what's in a book it just makes it more day-to-day like a uh, walking in his presence yeah but now it's it, it's not always felt presence you know it's not always feel good it's you know that's a walk of faith like having a personal relationship with anyone Ex- absolutely <laughs> absolutely and there's a oh. th- yeah. No, yeah. not always sunshine and roses and they're not always <laughs> present but they're still in your mind all but the time with you in your heart and it's like that's where you think oh. i mean of course the indwelling of the holy spirit god dwells within 
of course, with contemplative prayer and the house of prayer and what we're about, we really encourage people. How much do you pray a day? Well, I mean, you might say uh, in some ways I have a couple of periods a day where I pray in a more contemplative way, quiet way, meditative way. Uh All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Sister Deborah Charlotte, past president of Mount St. Mary's Academy in Little Rock, Arkansas, and current executive director of the House of Prayer, an interfaith community dedicated to quiet meditation. We'll be right back. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, email me, Gray, at gray at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Back to you, Carrie. You are listening to Up In Your Business with me. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with a nun. To me, they're like royalty. (laughs) Sister Deborah Trollette is the current ED, Executive Director of the Arkansas House of Prayer, an interfaith community dedicated to contemplative meditation for all peoples of all faith and of no faith at all. I want to talk about how you are so qualified to be doing what you're doing because talk about God uh, uh, aligning you down the path to get to where you are. I feel like you have spent your whole life in training to end up where you are right now because in your early training in meditation and the understanding of interfaith, you traveled in 1985 like I like to say as a starter nun. I don't know what you call it. (laughs) Fresh out the gate. (laughs) Starter nun. You toured the world for seven weeks to study religions in native lands. Talk about the impression that made on you and how now interfaith, and I think before you even do that, you need to tell our listeners what interfaith means. Interfaith is truly the desire to interrelate to people of other faiths and totally respect the faith tradition that they are coming from and understand it and know the truths about it. There's a lot of misinformation, as we know. Mm -hmm. So there's wisdom in every major religion. And uh, so while it is true, interfaith dialogue can help you find common truths that you can share. There's never an attempt to kind of, let's just say, uh, whitewash it or, or or make it less than what it truly is so that you can feel comfortable about it. It's It, it should stretch you. It is hard to talk about. So mm-hmm. you even mentioned that you have been trained, when I talk about being trained, you've been trained in how to do interfaith dialogue, which I think is very important in what you just kind of were referring to. It's how you talk to each other. Yeah. I don't, I don't think people realize that so many religions are so alike, have so much commonality. I guess that's the divine, in, uh, you know, that somehow at the, at, the, at the core you find the divine and you find the truth about God as love, as compassion. I don't know. think people realize that Muslims uh, believe Jesus was a prophet. Right. And I don't they, think and, they know that they Jesus is in there. And great respect for the prophet's mother, Mary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't think people realize that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to, to cherish in each other's faiths, but unfortunately, that's not always how we receive information about each other's faiths. So in, we, we see them more as threats than as opportunities to grow and deepen our own, 
our own embrace of our own faith tradition, you might mm-hmm. say. It's not like you're, you're exploring what faith should I be. It's more like how do I embrace the truths of other religions and grow deeper in my own? Yes, I believe some believers are isolationists in all mm-hmm. religions. Mm-hmm. And, and that's dangerous because it creates... We, they. Mm-hmm. We, they. Mm-hmm. Well said. So in 1985, as a starter nun... you went to uh you traveled the world and studied religion in uh other lands talk about that impression it had on you well it was life-changing and uh i have a friend from first grade who always says join the convent see the world and it truly happened for me and um, but it was uh my roommate I, i joined a group there were 150 of us from all over the world not all not all u.s uh but everyone could speak English. We met in New York. We had an orientation. We traveled from there to every the, the sites of origin of every major world religion. Every re- major world religion was well represented. How many are there about? Well, I mean, we studied, uh, of course, Judaism, Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, uh, and then, in, of course, with Bud- Hinduism. And uh, so those. Uh, we, then we went to Korea. We studied Shinto, and so there were there were. But in terms of you might say, there's the the Abrahamic religions, mm-hmm. which is Judaic, Judaism, Christianity, Islam. And, and you call them Abrahamic because our the common father of faith Abraham. is Abraham. Mm-hmm. So I don't think people know that. Either. Yeah, yeah. But my this is this mm-hmm. is an important little piece okay. to it. My roommate was a Buddhist nun from Nepal. Her name was Anoja, and she was beautiful. She wore these bright pink robes. She, she was beautiful. And, of course, I guess they put us together. We were the two nuns on the whole trip, <laughs> a Buddhist nun, Catholic nun. But anyway. Oh, so this wasn't a group of nuns. No, no. This okay. was, these were mostly college-age oh, okay. young people. And uh, so we would, the schedule was grueling, but it was wonderful because where we were going, what we were seeing, who we were visiting. We were like ambassadors. We had incredible speakers, teachers. Um, Huston Smith, who wrote the world religion, the classic on world religions, he was part of the faculty for this thing. So, but my point was the schedule. And, of course, I would be like, you know, barely making it, barely getting up in the morning, barely getting my coffee. And I would look over in the other bed, and there would be a nausea. She would be sitting up perfectly, having this peaceful, serene, meditative state. I would be just like barely rolling out of bed. And I just remember one day I just looked at her and said, Anosia, tell me what you do. Tell me what you're doing. And so I have to say she probably taught me. She was the first teacher for me about meditation. And I thought, well, gosh, surely within... Christianity, there is a meditative, there is a tradition about, and sure enough, then I started finding it. So that's when I started studying Christian meditation. What is Christian meditation? Well, certainly it's rooted in our relationship with Christ. Is it not prayer? It is prayer. It's a form of silent prayer. It's a way of quieting your mind. It's a way of, you might say, um, using... Well, the first form that I studied was uh, a Benedictine monk, John Main, 
is, and it, he used the mantra as a way to quiet your mind. You repeat a word or a phrase continuously, and that is your intention for prayer. How do you, and, how do you find that? Pr- how do you know what that should be? Uh, you just pray about it, and God, the Spirit, I, the Spirit will reveal you. So everybody has a different one. Everybody can have a different one. And it's not so much what the word is, it's the intention behind the word. What your intention is to deepen your relationship and to be in the presence of the presence, you might say. And so it is a process whereby you can quiet, your mind quiets. But as you started your program with, I thought it was so important, the skill of listening, it's, it really is a gift that we need to cultivate. Mm-hmm. The capacity to listen to the spirit within. Because be- as Christians, we believe we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, of course, the spirit can speak to us a lot of ways outside of us. But so often we, we don't trust what we're hearing. Or we can't even hear what's inside of us. Or we don't trust it. Well, there's or there's that, so much noise. There's so much noise in my head. Exactly. It drives how do you, me how nuts. Do you, how do you... How do you how do you quiet that mind so you can listen more deeply? And that's a Christian meditation skill that's, or something you're that's, trying to learn. That's one, that's one form of Christian meditation. And then probably after I practiced that, and actually uh, you mentioned Subiaco, Abbot uh, Jerome Codell taught me more about Christian meditation. I used to go up there for retreats. And then in the late 90s, I became introduced to Centering Prayer, as another form of Christian meditation, meditative prayer. So I've, I've been a practicing medi- centering prayer probably for about 20 Are all years. nuns like that? No. no. See, she's been in training for this job she's got. <laughs> well, you know, all nuns, let's just say this uh, in a way, and it's true. Technically, I'm a sister, not a nun, and that could be another whole conversation. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a little different, but it's all history. It's all historical. Nuns historically were in a cloister they were oh. they were like contemplative they were in a cloister or, or a convent or a monastery mm-hmm. and while we still use that term convent um mm-hmm. we we're more active mm-hmm. like so, the sound of music the yeah hills yeah yeah there you go how do you solve the problem like, like maria, maria. <laughs> that's the sister that's of the mercy name. we yeah, were like maria's <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. But, yeah but anyway um So long story short, so centering prayer became a a prayer practice that I have embraced. And then I had the the great, amazing pleasure to meet Father Thomas Keating, who he really, he could see in the 70s why so many people were going to the East to learn meditative practices. And he just said, people don't even know within Christianity we have our own meditative practice. And so he kind of, he brought centering prayer and he educated about it. He's really made it available to people, you know, in a way that it just wasn't accessible so much before. Christian meditation. I'm going to yeah. have to start that. So I may put that as my Lenten. That's what I need to do for Lent. Come That's to the house of prayer. It's quiet. That's right. We're yeah. going to talk about that. That's okay. what we, you can teach me how. The <laughs> eight-week Fulbright seminar in India gave you the blessed meeting with Mother Teresa. Teresa. Was it? Did it, did it change you at all? Oh, well, yes. I mean, <laughs> well, what happened was we were on this seven. It was, it, it was because of the first seminar in world religions. When I went to India, it was such a profound experience. I said to myself, I've got to come back here. I have got to come back to India. So here it was five years later, 
and I got the opportunity to apply for a Fulbright. I was a teacher at that time, so that it was a special eight-week program, Fulbright seminar, uh, Dynamics of Change, just India. Amazing experience. So, again, we were treated like ambassadors. We met with the vice president of, of uh, India. We, we traveled the whole country. But we made a special trip to Calcutta. And when we went to Calcutta, Mother Teresa started her ministry by literally finding the people who were dying on the streets, picking them up, bringing them to a, pl- a safe place where they could die with dignity. That was her first ministry. So we're on the bus, and we drive, we drive up to the house of the dying, and the, 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 the tour director says, you do not have to go in if you don't want. This could be very difficult. So uh, I, I said, okay, I got to go. I got to go. A bunch of us went. And I have to say, the minute you walked in, there was nothing repulsive about it. No. Nothing. No. It was all love. It, it, there was nothing in you that wanted to run or leave. So um, right before we left, I was the only nun on that program. The tour guide said to me, Sister, we can wait on the bus for a few more minutes. There's a little chapel here. Do you want to go into their little chapel? I said, oh, yeah, I really I would like that. So I went into their little chapel and just sat there a few minutes and then, uh, and then came out. So the reason I'm telling that piece of the story is the next day we go to Mother Teresa's uh, mother house, and there she has an orphanage for children. And so we meet her, and with each special guest that we were blessed to be served by and taught by, uh, they would pick someone from the group to present a gift on behalf of the, the group. So they invited me to give the gift on behalf of our group. We gave a contribution funds and so it was very simple she came in she said a few words and then uh, you know I handed her the envelope and that was pretty much it and so uh, we, we went and visited the children and again it was a, just the feeling in the place even though you know you look around and you think oh my god it's pitiful but it, it all the love and all the care there just transcends all that so again right before we leave he came up to me again. He said, "He said, truly, it, it, there's the chapel. I know where it is. You just go up these stairs. If you'd like to go to the chapel again, we'll wait for you. It's, you know, this is your time. So I said, yeah, I really would like to do that again. So I ran upstairs, and I'm in this kind of dark hallway, and I'm looking to where to go in. And all of a sudden, this little sister comes to me. And I'm just trying to say, I'm just looking for the chapel. I'm a sister. and You know, but she didn't speak a word of English. Mm-hmm. So she just waves to me, sit down, sit down. I mean, that was all, I just sit, sit, sit. So I, I thought, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I sat down. And then lo and behold, the next thing I know, Mother Teresa herself is coming down the hallway toward me. I, I stood up, of course, and I was just speechless. And, uh, of course, she's... She speaks English beautifully, and so she took my hands in her hands, and she just she just kind of calmed me down. And before I could really say anything, she says, "I want you to come. I want you to come back tomorrow. Come for mass tomorrow." She says, "You you are welcome to come." So I said, "Okay." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so the next day, so my roommate, my dear roommate, she wasn't Catholic. But she was willing to go. So we got our little rickshaw and, and 
I mean, of course, they have mass like at 5.30 or 6 in the morning. So we were up way early, get our little rickshaw and go to the chapel. And so that speaks to the things in life that you cannot see. No. There's no reason exactly. that all of that should have happened. That's right. And just to have it was just such the a, house of death to be so lovely. Was, I mean, what? Yeah. How, how can you explain that? Except there's We are something. doing stuff wrong here, yeah. here in America. We're doing something wrong. So Sister says, there is spiritual poverty and loneliness in the developed worlds. Hmm. And you don't think about that. You think we've got everything. Materially? Mm-hmm. We do. That's another reality. I, I have to say, you know, when I was serving at this institute level and I went to Guyana, one of the poorest countries in the mm-hmm. whole Western Hemisphere, we have our sisters there. I went to Peru, went to Argentina, Panama, uh, J- uh, Jamaica. But when you see the, the poverty there, it can be very, very... Uh, Mm-hmm. repulsive in a mm-hmm. way I bet. but then mm-hmm. when you connect humanly with the people it changes you hardly everything else kind of drops away and it's that it's that human connection with people who are humble and and loving and caring and have all their children and they're just trying to do the best for, for them and and they share whatever they have with you which is amazing yeah. whatever mm-hmm. little thing they have it's you got to have it you know it, it's um so there's a lot about <laughs> we could learn about hospitality i guess and what really matters <laughs> you said in a recent interview these experiences were real extraordinary gifts that hopefully i can draw on in this ministry for the sake of promoting the kind of prayer meditation and respect for interfaith prayer programs and is all of those experiences the reason that you wanted to teach world religion at Mount St. Mary's, or had Mount St. Mary's always taught world religion? I don't know that they always did. I think there were different uh, times in the in the theology curriculum when that was offered. Um, when I was there, I taught a course called Adult Faith, and I, I tried to keep it in the in a wide venue, and I tried to let the students tell me what they wanted to study and I the premise was you know adult faith is not childlike faith a childhood faith you know you you've got to open the questions you've got to be willing to engage the questions and uh and find reliable sources mm-hmm. wisdom sources so world religions they wanted it mm-hmm. they really wanted it um so all religions believe in an afterlife mm. No, not necessarily. No. Do all religions believe in love thy neighbor? Love thy neighbor. Is you can it? find it articulated in different ways, but yes, yes. So this this opportunity that we have, and it's the 11th or 12th year, because they started it on the 10th anniversary of, mm-hmm. of 9-11. Mm-hmm. And, um, Out of fear. Kind it of. had to be kind of, let's just do something counter to the fear. Let's do something that brings the community together. So the together. Muslims are afraid. The yes. non-Muslim, the Americans are, are afraid. afraid. Yeah. Everybody's just kind of afraid of each other and yeah. lashing out in every way they can. And projecting a lot of our own stuff on others. And extreme Christians that bomb the Oklahoma City, uh, you know, Oklahoma City bombing that kind of seems like it was the beginning of all of this is an extreme Christian. 
And then you've got the extreme Muslims. So you can't. Let's just call radicalism. Radical. When, when the religion gets radicalized. Radicalized. It's not true. It's not true to itself. I see. So in 2011, you've been at Mount St. Mary's Academy for Girls for 22 years, and you decide to retire. Was there something that happened? Or did you just go? Did you? I no, mean, again, I say, you know, this is how my life is. The things just happen. And I guess I, I'm just, I was at a chapter. The Sisters of Mercy have a, well, it's kind of like our Congress, but it only meets every six years. And we elect our leadership over the whole deal. Sisters of Mercy, one of the largest in the world. Our leaders for all Central, all the Americas. And uh, we set our direction, our priorities. So I'm a delegate to the chapter. And uh, the nominees have been through a grueling process for months who, who are willing to be considered for election to the team. It's a president and four sisters. And uh, they, part of the process is there's a, always a moment where you can nominate from the floor. No way. <laughs> I don't, you cannot say this. <laughs> so that's what happened. I was nominated from the floor. I didn't go expecting it. I, didn't, I was actually on the committee that was planning the chapter. And uh, so you're I, not even planning on retiring. No. Somebody, you're not even planning to go be no. with the what? God. What are they called? The Sisters of Mercy, America of the Americas of the Americas. <laughs> and someone just nominates you from the floor, and you go, well, okay. And then you get elected. And then I got elected. And then you have to go back and go. Y'all didn't mean to do so this. I, so how long was? Did you it was terrible. I mean, it really was. It was like, oh my gosh. You know, because it's it's true. But the mount was strong. I mean, I in one way, I knew. How long did it take you to leave? Two months. Oh, two months. I'm sorry. Or not even two months, about six weeks, eight weeks. That seems too quick to it replace was, was, somebody like you. Well, you know, God bless. I had a very strong principal at the time. Oh. And um, the school was in good shape. And, uh, and I had strong uh, leadership team there at the school. All right. We're going to go to a break. We come back. We'll continue our conversation with Sister Deborah Trollette, past president of Mount St. Mary's Academy and all-girls school in Little Rock, Arkansas. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge. In 1995, she embraced the Internet and rebranded her company as simply flagandbanner.com. In 2004, she became an early blogger. Since then, she has founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, began publishing her magazine, Brave, and in 2016 branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcast. In 2020, Carrie McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American-made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years, and more recently opened a satellite office in Miami, Florida, telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags, the flagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Sister Deborah Trollette, who is the current... ED, Executive Director of the Arkansas House of Prayer, a quiet place for meditation with no agenda or no religious affiliation. So uh, let's talk about this, this, this space. Let's describe it. So yeah. you, it's on the campus of St. Margaret's. Margaret's. 
It's on like five acres of beautiful wooded area. And when, where do you park and when can you go? And um, Well, you can go uh, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 3, and you just go to the church office and they'll issue you a little temporary key fob. Ah. And that'll give you access if you're a first-time visitor. On the weekends, we, we uh, have volunteers who help us. So it's open from 12 to 4. Again, you can just come. Uh, but if you really, we have so many people who just find it as, as exactly what it is, a spiritual haven, place of healing, place of peace, place of nurturing, a place of, you know, just connecting, quiet. But if you really find it appealing and just you feel attracted to this in terms of your own spiritual path, you can apply for a little key fob. So it's 24-7 access then. And it's, so, uh, just, I'm having, so I'm having a bad day, and yeah. I'm like, I've got to find a place, a quiet, to, place. A quiet place. And yeah. so I, it's, it's Monday through Thursday before 3 o'clock. It's my first time, and I pull up to St. Margaret's. Mm-hmm. I go in the office. You just say, I'd like to visit the house of prayer. And she gives you... A, and she will give you a little key fob. And you go over there, and there could be somebody in there. Absolutely. That's why the only thing that happens in the house of prayer, you might say, is silence. There's no worship services. There's no chanting. There's no rituals. There's no bells. It's just silence. But that silence, all I can say is the energy and the intentionality of everyone who comes in there, whether they're seeking or whether they're contributing to the silence out of their own spiritual fruit the fruit of silence is all those things mother Teresa said then you get it the minute you walk in it's like surround silence surround silence (laughs) is is it round yes it is round and Mm -hmm. so um uh tips for meditating how long should you meditate you know i think you can start with a couple of minutes of quiet good luck five minutes you know just just the biggest challenge sometimes is just sit down sit down close your eyes follow your breath take a few deep breaths inhale a little deeper each time exhale a little slower each time you can start to feel the change it is a practice so you take five minutes Mm. you find a quiet time you you kind of start to develop your own appetite for silence. It's true. You can be afraid of silence because guess what? When we get quiet, lots of stuff does come. Old memories, old hurts, old things. The commentaries go off. We're remembering this. We're remembering that. Unresolved pains, and, you know, suffering. And in some ways, we just want to flee that. We just want to, let's just totally distract ourselves with anything we can do outside of ourselves. And, you know, of course, some people say, it, well, this is more an introvert's kind of prayer. But it, but not really. I think what I always like to say, it's uh, one helps the other. But let me just say this, too. There's a lot being written about mindfulness mm-hmm. as a yes. practice. Yes, uh, Eckhart I mean, Tolle. Oh, my gosh. Mindfulness, you put that in Google and explosion, mindfulness. Now, it can be just taught as a practice to quiet your mind and be present and be present which is important and people need it so i'm not making light of that Mm-mm. just the distinction for christian meditation it is about relationship oh it is about a faith relationship mm-hmm. so that's the big difference that's the big difference that's the big difference 
Now, you are completely combined and intertwined with the Interfaith Center, uh, Sophia Saeed. They're sister organizations. They're separate in terms of their 5013C status, you yeah. know, but they're both outreach ministries uh, of the Episcopal Diocese. And that is who you are working with to put on Love Thy Neighbor, which uh, Sophia Syed said she founded this event on the 10th anniversary of 9-11 yes. for her Muslim community yeah. and mm-hmm. for all other communities for, that exactly. are scared of Muslims. Exactly. September is the month that the Interfaith Center hosts their event called Love Thy Neighbor that Carrie and Sister Deborah have been talking about. It's a, it's a gathering that is truly transformative if you ever get the chance to attend. Uh, recorded from one recently, here's a wonderful definition of the goals of this annual gathering from Sister Deborah Trollette, the guest on Up In Your Business Today, and Sophia Saeed, another frequent guest on Up In Your Business. An evening of prayer, music, wisdom, peacemaking, and love. My name is Sophia Saeed, and I'm the executive director of the Interfaith Center created with the mission of reducing the fear and hatred among world religions. Desperately needed now more than ever before. My name is Sister Deborah Trollette, and I am currently serving as the executive director of the Arkansas House of Prayer. It is an interfaith haven set apart in nature, dedicated to contemplative prayer, meditation, and quiet, where all are welcome. Our goal is to always maintain a beautiful space where any person of any faith or any seeker can enter and experience sacred silence. Both Arkansas House of Prayer and the Interfaith Center are sister organizations and affiliated ministries of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church. Okay, so now you know a little bit about us and our organizations, but we want to give you an opportunity to know a little bit about your neighbor, seated to your left, to your right, in front, or behind you. So would you please stand and just take a few moments to introduce yourselves to one another. Well, we certainly hope that the good energy of engagement that we just experienced will continue through this evening's uh, service, and then of course, most importantly, as we return to our homes, our families, our neighborhoods, and the broader community. We started this service in an effort to bring people from all different faiths and no faiths to come under one roof, with open hearts and a willingness to learn. And now this has become a tradition that we all look forward to throughout the year. Whatever faith tradition we belong to, Wherever we are in our spiritual journey, we come as people of faith, grateful for each other, hopeful for our future, uplifting each other in unity, knowing that we all are a part of an interconnected web of life, creating a shared vision of a future together, a future where we all acknowledge and embrace and cherish and celebrate each other's differences. So I invite you all today to listen. Listen to the great story being told through all of us. Listen to the song being sung in all of us. 
to the breath that breathes through our traditions and through us, to the spirit that connects us at our very basic core, our common humanity. Let us listen to these very different, yet very beautiful sounds, and let them touch our souls. Thank you. Enjoy the program, please. That was recorded at one of the uh, Interfaith Center's Love Thy Neighbor events a few years ago. The voice that you heard besides Sister Deborah Trollette in that uh, recording was Sophia Saeed, also a frequent guest on Up In Your Business, who, by the way, will be leaving her executive director position at the Interfaith Center this summer. Back to Carrie McCoy. Sophia Saeed, y'all, is Pakistani. Uh Her interview is absolutely fabulous. The last, before COVID, Mm -hmm. in 2019, she came on to talk about this Love Thy Neighbor event she has. She talked about how 9-11 changed her life. Uh She talked about hijab dresswear. My favorite part of the interview was she talked about arranged marriages. Oh, that's right. Uh And why it works. And if Y'all, I'm all for arranged marriages. <laughs> yeah, she absolutely got my mother on board. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> kidding. It's a really interesting um, uh, cultural way that they arrange marriages. Looking back at your life, give me one word to sum up your life. Blessed. Perfect. Sister, I never like to miss the opportunity to get a prayer or a blessing. Are you ready? Oh, sure. Okay. Most gracious God, we thank you for this time that we've shared and the way that you have blessed the lives of all the persons who have tuned in, the way you're present, the way you manifest in this world of ours that we call our common home. We certainly invite your grace upon each person. We ask for a deepening capacity to listen to listen to the needs of our world, to listen to the needs of one another, to listen to your voice as you speak in so many diverse and beautiful ways through so many diverse and amazing persons of faith and persons who are seeking faith or persons who are seeking, period. So we know you are within it all, and we pray this blessing and in thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Very nice. Thank you very much, sister, for coming on. Hey. I've got a gift for you. Oh. It's a lot. So here's your here's oh, your good. little I get base. All the flags. You get all these desks. I'm not oh, even sure what they are. That's Italy because yes, you've been to Italy. I've been to Italy. That's Turkey, I think. That's Turkey. That's correct. Because you've been to Turkey. Well, she knows her flag better than I do. So, Sister Deborah, Love the U.S. Is. flag or the Christian flag, in your case, goes in the center. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, well, yeah you one might or the want, other. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on if you're a on nun or day. not. Oh, uh-huh. I guess I better. If you're military, you'd put the U.S. flag there. But some Christians <laughs> do put the yeah, do prefer well, the. It's, you know I mean, without God, you've got no country. They're all there. Yes. Look at that beautiful. That is that's a awesome. nice spread. Yes, thank you. You've been a few places. Yeah, that's not even all uh-huh. of them. In closing, I'd like to say to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your independence, your business, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio show, and choose today's guest. 
If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, email me, Gray, at G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.